John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is where we're going to be this morning. Let me uh, catch us back up to where we are in the Gospel of John. Last week we took a little pause as we looked at how we want the heartbeat of our church to go from neighborhoods to nations, which is why we still have our flags up around the room. So we at Psalm 67 last week, but today we're going to be in the last half of John 14. And uh, this is a moment just hours before Jesus is going to go to the cross. Just hours before he's going to go and die in our place. Uh, it's just hours before the disciples are going to see one of the most beautiful acts of love that the world has ever seen. And so this is an amazing moment. And as Jesus has been telling his disciples that he's going to the cross, they don't fully understand what's happening in this moment yet, but their hearts are troubled. Because Jesus has been saying things like, hey, I'm going to go away. and Where I go, you can't come yet. And so their hearts are troubled and their hearts are worried. So Jesus has been speaking words of comfort and encouragement to them. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this moment where you just don't know what the future holds. This is where the disciples are. There's a fog of what the future holds. And in the midst of this fog, Jesus is going to speak into their hearts in this moment. So my hope and my prayer is that God does the same thing for us today. Especially if your heart is troubled or you're worried about what is in the future, that you would rest in your helper. So let's look starting in verse 15, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. The Word of God says this, Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live and you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not the Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but my Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. The Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. Pray with me. Lord, you are a kind and gracious God. 
Lord, you know our troubles and our fears, Lord, and you speak words of comfort to them. Lord, I ask that you would give us those words of comfort today, that you through your Holy Spirit would give us the peace that you mentioned in this passage today. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher, that you would bring to our mind remembrance of your word and your promises. God, would you be our helper today as we read this passage? And Lord, would you be our helper this week as we live out these truths? Now let me invite you in the moment of silence to pray that God would speak to you and that the Holy Spirit would teach you and bring to your remembrance things today. Pray to him now. Also pray for me as we look at God's beautiful word that I would be his mouthpiece to speak what would be pleasing and honoring to him. Pray for me now. Lord Jesus, you tell us in verse 29 that you said all of this and did all of this that we might believe. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us to believe today. And that as we believe, all glory and all honor would be yours both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. All right. Today, if I went to a bookstore, and yes, I know that bookstores are like going extinct. They're like going of the, the ways of the dinosaurs. I get that. But if we went to a bookstore today and I walked in and one of the employees that was there behind the counter, I went up to talk to and I said, hey, I really need some help. Like there's a lot of craziness going on in my life. I need some help. Most likely they're going to direct me to the self-help section, right? And if you go to the self-help section, there are books upon books upon books that are written on how you can help yourself through whatever issue you're going through. Whether it's a food issue or a home improvement issue or a financial issue or an emotional issue, they have self-help books for everyone in every season of life that you can buy. Now, what's interesting about that is the fact that they have this many books that are out there, that this many people are writing books, knowing that they can sell them and make money. They got a whole section where if you come in and ask for help, they can direct you there. What this tells us is a couple things. One, it tells us that we realize the brokenness of our world, that we genuinely need help, right? If there's that many books and there's that much money being spent on it, it shows that there's something within our hearts that realizes that we need help. That's one thing we learn. But another thing we learn is the fact that it's called self-help is showing us that we are going to the wrong place to get the help that we need. You see, if I went up and I talked to somebody that was working at a counter and I told them, hey, I need help, and they went me to the self-help section, I'd be like, but that's the problem. Like, myself is the issue. Myself is what got me into all of these problems. Like, I don't need more of me. I need less of me because I'm the one that got me into these issues, right? I need real help. And in this passage, that's what Jesus is speaking to. He's saying, hey, you guys realize that you need help. Help is here. And there's more help that's on the way. And so you need to see in this passage that God is speaking to our hearts that know that we need help. We need help. Now, there's, there's two helpers that are mentioned here. There's two helpers that are mentioned. And, and 
if you read this passage, you might think, well, Ryan, as we read it, I just see it talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. But look carefully at verse 16 again. Look what Jesus says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another. In order to have another, there has to be one in the first place, right? You can't have another of something if you don't first have something. And so there's actually two helpers, and I want us to see in this passage these two helpers and how they're meant to help us today. So the first thing I want us to grasp is there's a helper of adoption and home. There's a helper of adoption and home. You see, there's a little struggle for us in this passage because multiple translations have different translations for this word helper in verse 16. It's because this word is a, it's a hard word to translate into English. It's a, it's a heavier word. It's a more difficult word. And so some of your translations for helper might have advocate there. That there's another advocate that's coming. Some other translations have comforter. That there's a, another comforter that's here. Or there's a strengthener. Or there's an encourager. There's lots of different words that are used. But I want to use helper today as we look at this passage. Now... Though there are different translations for this word, every single one of those translations are still theologically accurate. They're true. There are times in our lives that we need comfort from God. We need his counsel. We need him to help guide us. And he does, because this is who he is. There are times when God is our advocate. When we realize that we are guilty and we need somebody to defend our case and plead our defense on our behalf when Satan accuses us. And that also is true of God. So none of these translations are theologically inaccurate. But whenever you look at the translation and you see that different Bibles have translated a, a word different ways, what that is showing us in this moment is that the English language can't carry the freight of the weight of this word. It can't do it. There is such a richness and a multifaceted nature to this word helper and it's meant to bring us comfort. It's meant to bring us peace. And so be comforted. Be encouraged by this word today. This word in the original language is paraclete. But you can divide it up into two words, para and clete. And what that word means is first to call and second alongside. Para means alongside, clete means to call. Now, the reason why that matters is because if we talk about a helper and we talk about a counselor, as we talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this is not speaking of someone who is going before you and saying, come on, let's go, stop dragging your feet, stop lagging behind, get up here. That's not the kind of helper that we're seeing in this moment. It's somebody who comes alongside of us. It's also not somebody that's behind us, spurring us, saying, get, move forward. you got to keep going. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you're weak. I don't care about you. Just keep moving. That's not the type of helper that we have in this moment. And this is a helper who comes alongside and, and, and leads us, comforts us, cares for us. And this is what the helper looks like. And this first helper that, that's mentioned here, when Jesus says there's another helper that's coming, the other helper is the Holy Spirit. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the first helper that we see is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our helper. 
And we are not going to unpack all the different ways that Jesus helps us this morning because the list is far too long. It's far too long. For the believer, how Jesus helps us is amazing. But here in this passage, we find two things that Jesus, our helper, does. First, he helps us by adopting us. He helps us by adopting us. You see all this talk about, hey, I'm leaving you. Hey, I'm going to go away and I'll bring you back one day or I'll bring you into a house where you'll have many rooms. He says all these things to them. And still they're like, wait a second, we've been following you around for three years. We've shared meals with you. We've shared memories with you. And now you're like leaving us and you're abandoning us. And they feel like orphans in this moment. I mean, once again... The way the disciples feel is that they're losing not just a friend, not just a friend, but their leader. And in this moment, there's this weight of, man, they feel alone. I mean, the pain that you feel in moments like that, I mean, how many of you guys can relate to this? I mean, what the disciples are feeling in this moment of feeling abandoned by one that they loved, many of us have felt that pain before. I mean, you got married and you said, till death do you part. And the next thing you realize is that person's in their car and they're leaving you. Or you had a, a great close-knit family and you were growing up and you had a mom and a dad and then one of them left one day and your family was shattered and broken. Some of you have had a, a close friend that you've done a lot of life with and you, you, you're there and then all of a sudden they move away and things are just different. You feel abandoned, you feel alone. Maybe it's even in the workplace where you had a coworker that got a new job and they transitioned, or somebody that was a co-partner with you in a, in a job and, and they transitioned out. I mean, that, just that sense of, man, I feel abandoned in this moment. This is a small glimpse of what the disciples feel in this moment as Jesus says, hey guys, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. But in the midst of this moment where they have this feeling of being abandoned, Jesus is reminding them, I will not leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as orphans. Jesus wants you to remember today, if you feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel abandoned, that he has not abandoned you if you're a believer in him. He has not abandoned you if you've confessed your sins, you've turned from those and turned to him, received forgiveness through his death and his resurrection. He has not abandoned you. He just said a few verses earlier in, in verse 6 of John 14 that he was going to make a way. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's like, guys, I know you feel abandoned in this moment, but no, 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 no. I'm not abandoning you. I have made a way for you to have a heavenly Father who will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is not abandoning them in this moment. He's going to die in their place so that they can have a heavenly father. This is what he's doing. He's making a way for their adoption in this moment. But he's not just adopting them into the family through the cross. He's also at the very same time making them a home. You see, Jesus is our helper that adopts us, but he also makes a home with us. Did you see that in verse 23? Jesus is, is telling them, you know, if you'll love me, you'll obey my commandments. My Father will love you and he will come to him and make our home. Make a home. 
This language is extremely interesting that Jesus is saying that the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is going to make his home with us should blow our minds. That the God of the whole universe who spoke everything into existence is saying, yeah, I'm going to come and I'm going to reside with you. I'm going to make my home with you. You're not going to feel abandoned. You're not going to be alone. I will be with you. I mean, if you rewind time and you look at the Old Testament, when God is with his people out in the wilderness and they're walking around, they had a fear of God. So much so they're like, Moses, I know God has told us to go up on top of this mountain and talk with you or talk with God, but we are fearful. So Moses, would you go on our behalf and we'll just stay at the bottom of the mountain? They were so afraid, even from the invitation that God had given them to come to the mountain. They're like, no, 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 Moses, you go on our behalf. If you'd have told those people at those, that, that time that God says, I'm going to make my home with you, not in a tent, not in a tabernacle, but with you. I mean, those people would have shook in fear and in awe. And when Jesus says these words in this passage, one, there should be a sense of fear of like, wait, the holy, almighty God wants to make his home with me? Should create a fear and awe and reverence with him. But at the same time, it should give our hearts deep hope and encouragement. This is what God does. And notice, it does not say that he will come and make an apartment with you. It's a home. It's a permanent address. He's making our life this permanent address where he will never leave us or forsake us. This is good news. This is good news. He looks at our life as messy as it is or as difficult as it is, and he comes into it. And just like you and I, when we get a home, what happens? We come in it and we live there and we renovate it. We don't just come into the house and just sit there. We, we come in and we get furniture and we paint the walls and we decorate it, right? We do all of those different things and we make the house a home. And it's the same with God. As he comes into our lives, he renovates things. He changes things. It's ultimately for our good and his glory. You see, he comes into our life to transform and to change us. Not through self-help, but through his help. And this is the helper that we find in this passage. Now, now, two applications that I want us to grasp from this first point of him being our helper. First application is this. Let us relish in the truth of adoption. Let us relish in this truth of adoption that we find. When Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. This is important because many of us, even as Christians, still live with orphan hearts. We still feel like we're not adopted. We still live like we're not adopted. I mean, if you're a kid and you know you have good, loving parents, then you know they're going to provide what you need. You're going to provide the food. They're going to provide the house. They're going to care for you and protect you. And yet many of us know God and know Jesus as our Savior and God the Father, and yet we still live with angst in our heart of, we don't have enough. 
and there's no one there to provide. And so we live and worry, and our hearts are troubled, and we're anxious because we're living with orphan hearts, even though we've already been adopted. Uh, pastor uh, shared the, this with me, that there was a, uh, a couple in their church that uh, had adopted this little boy. And this little boy had gone through a rough, a rough life. His, his parents had abandoned him, and so he literally hopped around from house to house uh, of different family members who didn't really care well for him or love him well. And so eventually he made it to uh, foster care, and some people really took care of him there and loved him well there, until this family at this church adopted this boy. And it was interesting, as they adopted him, they would care for him and just love him, and at night before they would put him to bed, they would you know, make sure his pajamas were on, and, and they would tuck him in and pray for him at night. But they noticed that every morning when they went to go get this kid out of his bed, he was already up. He was fully dressed, and he had shoes on his feet every morning. And the, the parents lean in, and they're like, why is it that you get up in the middle of the night, and you get dressed, and you put your shoes on? You don't have to sleep in your shoes. And this kid never would really answer their question. Well, one day they were cleaning up his room, and they started noticing all throughout his room, there was all this food that had been stored like food from dinners and snacks that he had kind of found. He had stored it like under his mattress and under the bed or in his closet. And the, the family came to him and said, why are, you, why are you storing all this food? And still he wouldn't really answer him. And as months went by and as time went by, as they continued to love this kid, he started to open up more and more. So they asked him again. And he said, well, I get up every night and I put on my clothes and I put on my shoes because... I know that there's coming a day you're going to come in here and tell me that I need to leave. And I need to go to another house. And so I just get ready every morning for you to tell me that it's time to go. And I'm like, why are, you, why are you storing up all this food? And he's like, because I'm just wondering if I'm going to have enough food. And what if food runs out? Or what if y'all kick me out? I need to have some kind of food to, to take with me. And this family looked at this boy and said, that day's never going to come. We're not going to kick you out of the family because we have adopted you. We love you. We're not going to kick you out of the family. That day that you're so worried about is never going to come. And for some of us, we need to realize that truth today, that that day is never going to come. You keep thinking, God's not going to provide for me. I wonder if he still loves me. I wonder if he still cares. And you need to remember this truth that Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. He didn't go to the cross and die and defeat death by raising from the dead so that you can live with fear your whole life. He didn't do that. He came to make a way for you to be adopted into his family. This is one of the core things that we see Jesus do. Even all the way back at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, But for all who did receive him, those that received Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, your right standing before God adopted into his family it's not about you. It's not about your good works. It's about receiving him, believing in his name, and then he gives to you the right to become a child of God. So may we not react in unhealthy ways of greed and anxiety. May we believe the truths of God's word. May we believe like the psalmist did when he wrote in the Psalms, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. May we live in this hope that we have in Jesus, our helper.
Second application, second application I would have for this point of Jesus is our helper is this. Let us love and live in his commandments. Let us love and live in his commandments. You see, multiple times in this passage, verse 15, verse 21, verse 23, verse 24, Jesus keeps coming back to this thing. Hey, if you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, you will your life will look like mine. See, let us look to our helper, Jesus, the one who strengthens us and sustains us and love him. And the way that we love him is by living out his commands. Listen to me. This is important. Our belief in Jesus and our love for him has to come first. Listen to this. Love without obedience leads to unholiness. And obedience without love leads to unhappiness. Let me say it again. Love without obedience leads to unholiness. And obedience without love leads to unhappiness. Now, what do I mean by that? Love without obedience leads to unholiness. Some people would just say, well, just love Jesus. See, he died on the cross and he loves you so much, so just Love him and just do whatever you, you, you want to do because he loves you. And so he doesn't really care how you live. Just, just love him because he loves you. And what that does in our hearts is it creates unholiness. Where we start to live for ourselves because we're like, well, God doesn't really care about my life or care about my holiness. And so it's all about me. Jesus knows because that's why he died, just for me, because it's all about me, right? No, it was for you. It's just not all about you. And Jesus in this moment is saying, hey, if you want to love me, then live out my commandments. Don't live for yourself. Don't say, well, God is just nothing but a big ball of love. No, he's a God of might and holiness. And so when he calls us, we obey, but we do it out of love. You see, if we don't have love and our obedience will just lead to legalism, which will lead to unhappiness. See, there are many churches that will preach on a Sunday morning, obey, 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 just do this, just do this over and over again, obey, 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 and it wears us out and exhausts us. It makes us so tired because we're trying to get to heaven on our own, and we look at Jesus and we're like, well, Jesus, you're just one that makes me a little bit of a better person. No, Jesus does not make you a better person. He makes you a new person. He changes you. He transforms you. And so may we not look at this moment and say, well, just obey, 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 because it will lead to unhappiness. But when you look at the one who died for you, the one who gave his life for you, the one who said it's no greater love than this, when you can look at that and love that, then you obey out of your love for him. And it breeds joy in your heart. And to be fair to to the gospel of John, there are many commands that John has given us throughout his gospel Let me remind you of just a few. There are many in the Bible, but listen to these, because these are ones that you and I might not think are commands from Jesus. But Jesus in chapter 1 calls his disciples to follow me. Would you follow me? It's a command of Christ. Don't follow after the world. Don't follow him like you would follow somebody on social media, where you just push a button and then you just forget about them. No, you think about them. You give your life to them. You follow their example. You follow them. Chapter 6 and chapter 7, Jesus is going to say, come to me. Come to me. 
How many of us are running to others, are running to the world, are running to pleasures instead of coming to Jesus and running to him? Chapter 8, Jesus says, believe in me. This is a command. We look at that and we're like, belief, that's not a command. Oh, it is a command. And multiple times throughout the Gospel of John, he's going to say that over and over again. Believe in me. Chapter 14, he says, abide in my word, right? Abide in him. Jesus is telling us all of these things. All these things are an invitation to come to him. To come to him. He is our helper. He is our strength. Some of you right now are thinking, there's no way that I can live out the commands of God. In your own strength, you can't. I'm glad you already see that. That's why you have a helper. That's why you have one who made the way that you could be adopted, that you could be cared for, that you could have a home with the king of creation. This is what God is inviting us to today. So Jesus is our first helper, but we also have another helper or an advocate. Jesus promises us in John 14, and it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the helper of remembrance and peace. Remembrance and peace. If you look in verse 26, this is where Jesus starts to define this helper, and he says, but the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. See the Trinity here. It's beautiful. God the Father has sent God the Son, and God the Son is going to tell God the Father to send God the Spirit. All three of them there. Three in one. This is one God. See, we get confused a lot of times. We tend to think that God the Father is the mean one. God the Son, Jesus is the loving one. God, the Holy Spirit is the weird one. <laughs> that tends to be what we think, right? But we need to understand as we turn the pages of Scripture, they're all together sharing the same attributes. They're all working together for they are in perfect concert and harmony. For they're one. And let me say this. There's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit because there's little to no teaching or if there is teaching, it's bad teaching on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not the weird one. He's not. The Holy Spirit does not make you weird. He makes you like Christ. He makes you like Christ. That is the point. He tells us in here the Holy Spirit is going to come and do two things for us. He's going to teach and bring to mind God's word. And he's going to give us peace. Now, what's fascinating about this is we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about the Holy Spirit, we're thinking, oh, it's got to be something miraculous in order for us to say the Holy Spirit did this. It's this miraculous moment when oftentimes the Holy Spirit works in the mundane. You see, you, you read right here and he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come to you and he will teach you all of these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Think about this. Every time you hear God's word and there's a moment where you're like, oh my goodness, I get that. Oh, that's amazing. God has adopted me? That's beautiful. That's the Holy Spirit teaching you God's word. you got to realize, I am not the true preacher of Wescobarish Church. David was not last week. Chris Simney was not the week before that. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches us God's word. 
It's not, it's not us. We, that's why we preach through the Bible. That's why we go expositionally through the text, because I'm just exposing you to God's Word. That's why I call it expositional preaching. I expose you to God's Word. But you need to hear today, only the Holy Spirit can expose you to that Word. Only He can come and allow you to see this. So if you have this light bulb moment, you're like, oh, Ryan did a really great job communicating that point. No, it was the Holy Spirit working in your heart and your mind for you to grasp this. That's what Jesus is saying in this moment. He's saying he'll teach you. He'll bring to remembrance all of these things. So some of these things are like, well, it's just a mundane moment. Like I'm just here and I'm just listening to somebody preach. No, that's a miraculous moment. The Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart. Sometimes you're, you're going through your week and you're having a hard week and you're down and you're depressed in that moment, and there's a verse that comes to your mind in that moment that brings comfort and peace to you. That's a miraculous moment, even in the mundane, because that's the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, bringing that to your remembrance to help you. When you're tempted and you're thinking about giving in to that sin and that temptation again, and this passage comes to your mind, or you pause to pray, that's the Holy Spirit. Well, let me just say, if you're going through life and there's a trigger in your mind to pause and pray for a minute, then you probably should pause and pray for a minute, because that's not coming from you. Our minds don't drift towards like, oh, I should pray in this moment. You just don't. It's the Holy Spirit working in the mundane to stir in our hearts the miraculous. Do you realize that even the fact that we hold God's word right now and we read this passage is a fulfillment of the words of Christ? Think about it. John, the disciple, wrote this about 50 years after Christ's death. And he's remembering the words of Christ in this moment. He's writing down, just as Jesus said he would, Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to remind you of these things, give you understanding of these things, and he writes them down for us to read and understand today. The Holy Spirit doesn't just teach us and bring to our remembrance things, he also gives us peace. This is what the helper does. In verse 27, I love this verse. And honestly, this week as I'm reading this passage, there is so much comfort and encouragement and peace that we find in this passage. But verse 27 to me is the pinnacle. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And Jesus in this moment is telling them, I know your hearts are troubled. I know you're anxious. I know you're worried. Don't be. Don't be. I'm going to give you my peace. Give you my peace. Now what kind of peace is Jesus talking about right there? Well, first and foremost, he's talking about a peace that we would have with God. Because at the moment, we're enemies with God. So he gives us that peace with God. And as we have peace with God, the God of all peace, then that peace comes into our life and affects every other area of our life, bringing peace to it. But we got to understand the first and foremost peace that we need is peace with our God and Father. Paul writes in the book of Romans, chapter 4, and Beginning in chapter 5, he says, Jesus will deliver for us our trespasses and raise for us our justification. 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. If you read this, the very next thing says, through what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is where our peace comes from. We, this passage tells us we were in our trespasses and in our sins, and we needed justification. Not trying to justify our sins in the past, but that Jesus would live and die a perfect life and a perfect death in our place. So it was just as I had never sinned. Not to justify our sins, but to make us pure and holy just as if we had never sinned. How? Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now this peace that we have with God gives us peace with others and gives us peace with ourselves. And Jesus is really clear here. I'm giving you peace. I'm offering you peace right now, but not as the world offers you. It's a different peace. And many of us have lived our life trying to go from worldly peace to worldly peace to worldly peace. And you live enough life, what you'll realize is that, that peace is a lot like a bubble on water. It's so fragile. The peace that the world offers us is fleeting the peace that Christ offers us is eternal. It is a constant peace. And this kind of peace calls us not to have a Bob Marley mentality or a Jimmy Buffett mentality of like, let's just not think about things. The kind of peace that Jesus offers us that's different from a world is one that causes you to think. Don't say, oh, I just need to not worry and not think as much. No, think deeply. Think very deeply, and that's where you're going to find the peace that Christ is talking about. For some of us, we're sitting here wondering, does anybody care about me? Does anybody love me? Does anybody even notice anything that's going on in my life? And we're full of sorrow. And what we need to do in this moment is think about Christ and remember his words where he says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I have adopted you. Yes, there's somebody who loves you. Yes, there's somebody who cares for you. Think on those things. That's where you're going to find that peace. Some of us right now are like, the world is just out of control. And all of your anxiety and all your troubled heart and soul is so anxious over so many things. And you need to remember the truth of God's word. That he's in control. He's sovereign. He's still on his throne. There's nothing that this world can do to impact God. You can't change him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing you can do is going to be a crowbar that's going to pry him off his throne. It's not going to happen. How often are we allowing our minds to rest on this truth and find peace in the sovereign power of our almighty God? Some of us are worried about our future, and we live in anxiety and fear. And we as believers need to pause and sit and think, no, he's the one that holds all time in his hands. The type of peace that Christ is calling us to is a thoughtful peace, not an ignorant peace, not a forgetful peace. We lean into it. That's how it's different from the world. The world says, say, just don't think about it. Jesus would say, no, think about it, and think about it deeply. Think about it deeply. We also need to understand the peace that Christ offers us is a constant peace. It's a consistent peace. It will never be moved. It will never change. He says, I am sending you a helper. I'm sending you a helper. This Holy Spirit will never leave you. If you go back to verse 16, Jesus says, I'm sending another helper who will be with you for how long? Forever. Forever. Some of you have 
worn out other people in your life, hoping that they can do what only God can do for you. Some of you have had friends leave you because you're like, I need you to carry the full weight of my sorrow and my sins and my struggle. And your friend's like, oh, I can't do that. And you've lost friends over it. What you need to understand is that there's a helper that will be there when you struggle with the same thing for the hundredth time. There's a helper that will be there with you forever, which means at 3 a.m. when you wake up and that anxiousness and that worriness hits you, you can call him, right? It's called prayer. You can call at 3 a.m. and you're not going to bother him because he never sleeps or slumbers anyway, right? Some of you have been calling your friends at 3 a.m. and leaning on them instead of leaning on the Lord. So the application for us is this. Let us not crush others and expect them to do what only God can do for us. Let us not rush to lean on others before we have leaned on God. Let us not rush to talk to others before we have first talked to our Lord and our Savior. Instead of looking to draw energy from others, let us look to draw energy from the one who has endless energy. Before we try to steal strength from others, may we look to the God who will strengthen us. When we are tempted, let us turn to our helper, the Holy Spirit. When we're tired, let's turn to our helper, the Holy Spirit. When we are troubled, let us turn to the helper that Jesus promised us in this passage. The one who gives us peace for our troubled hearts and our sinful souls. So church, this is a call for us to believe. And in believing in him, we will find peace for our troubled souls. For others of us, we need to believe today for the very first time in Jesus Christ. To look, to realize that he has invited you not to be a distant citizen of heaven, but a child of God. And come to him. He is the only way that you can find that relationship with your heavenly father. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. So would you come to Jesus today and find peace. Bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you for the promise of help. Lord, you knew that we needed it. Lord, thank you for the promise of peace because you knew that we would be anxious. Holy Spirit, you are here now and you promised you would never fail us nor leave us, but that you would be forever with us. So Lord, would you do amazing things, even, even in the mundane God, may you stir in our hearts and our minds your truth today. Bring it to remembrance that we would live out your truth, that we could live in this peace. God, would you help us because we need a helper. Father, I pray this morning that you would forgive us for when we've looked to ourself to help us. We've looked to ourself as our Savior when what we needed more than anything was the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Lord, give our hearts that hope today. Give our hearts that peace today to know that we are adopted into the family and we now have a home. It's in your wonderful name that we pray. Amen. Church family, let's stand and let's sing to our Heavenly Father.